offer anyone wherever you're at to play for them. When you find there's a meeting or there's a banquet or there's whatever, offer to play for it free. Play for people and work your way into everything. Then somebody will invite you to do the next one and the next one and the next one. You can't just stay at home, practice three or four pieces, do them better than anyone's ever played them, and no one ever hears it. Hey, this is Jason Tonioli. I'm a piano player that grew up believing it wasn't possible to earn a living and support a family with music. I've proven that idea was wrong and have met hundreds of other people who have found success with their music. This podcast features stories of musicians who have found their own personal version of success and fulfillment in both music and life. This podcast is meant to inspire musicians and help them believe in their abilities and motivate them to share their talents with others. This is the Successful Musicians Podcast. Hey, welcome to the Successful Musicians Podcast here. I'm here with today with Marvin Goldstein, one of my good friends that we've been talking for years and years. I actually grew up playing his piano books. When I got to finally meet him, it was one of those where I'm like, oh my gosh, I used to play your stuff in church. And so it's kind of a pleasure to have you on here, Marvin. But hopefully this will be a way to have some people be introduced to some of the great music and some of the, especially the hymns. I mean, you've been doing hymn music for years and years and years. And you're probably one of those musicians that I feel like you can sit down and just play anything in your head and just sit down at the piano and do the same thing. And I'm honestly super jealous of that. But when I think of successful musicians, you're one of those people, especially at the piano. So welcome so much to the podcast today. Thank you, Jason. This is great that you're doing this and offering whatever it is we're going to give young musicians or any musicians to be able to uh, have more passion in what they do and have a purpose for what they do. I think one of the things that's really driven me to start doing these interviews is, as I was a kid growing up, I always felt like there were certain jobs or things or careers that people would pursue or that you wanted to pursue, but you'd be told, oh, you can't make money as a musician. You can't support a family as a musician. And so just in the back of my mind, it was always like, oh, you can't be done. I know there's so many people that have been told that. And my hope is that if you're a musician and that's what you love doing, it doesn't mean that you have to support your family with it by interviewing and just hearing people's stories like yours. They can say, you know, that's kind of like me, right? They'll get some ideas and at the very least be able to find some more joy and be able to find success in whatever that success might look like for a person. So so as we dive in, I guess maybe tell people a little bit about how you started doing piano. I'm sure you had a mean mom that made you practice or maybe not, but give us a little bit of your background. Actually, they asked me to not practice. Nice. <laughs> I was nine years old and they said, please stop. Your dad's trying to watch television please stop practicing. <laughs> so I practice at nine years old, Jason, three hours a day. That's and why you're better I, than I am. No, 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 no. There's no better than nothing. There's no competition. There's nothing going on anywhere remotely about any of that. The idea that people are told that it's going to be hard to make a living is something they should never say to anyone. The yeah. passion of doing music is within yourself. It's given to you by the Lord. Is it just a beautiful thing? And you keep doing it because you love what it does for those that you're able to perform for. It's got not much to do with for self. It's really not. And when you realize that, then you've got a chance to make a living at it. But then again, it's not so bad to have another profession in mind, too. <laughs> for sure. When was that point where you're like, you know what, this might be able to be a career? Or, you know, when did you decide music was a thing you might want to do? 
Well, I did so much of it. Now, you got to keep in mind, a musician of my age going on 72 years old in June and starting in 1959, there was no internet, Jason. There was no cell phones. There were no distractions of in a hurry. Got to do this. Got to get that done. There was nowhere to you go outside and play for a while with your friends. You come back, there's a piano sitting right there. And that is mainly your only focus. There's nothing else to do. And so you have plenty of time. Now, parents, maybe take away their cell phones and don't let them watch the internet or nothing for a while. Maybe they'd have a chance. But I started to actually feel I could make a living at it, perhaps when I was around, not till 20 years old. Got it. And did you do the career path where you went to school and got a degree in piano? And was that your career path? I did not get a degree in piano. I got a degree on the French horn. And I just did piano, loved the piano. I did, at 17 years old, the piano teacher, which was my last piano teacher, said to me, I can't teach you anymore because you're not playing what's on the page. So I said, okay. So the French horn was my focus in Europe and the Middle East and this and that. And then as I did more and more music, I get invited to play for a lot of things. I played for anything and everything I could find. And I started to make a little bit of money, but then I said, maybe I'm not making enough money that I better do something else. And that was about 22 years old. I got a master's degree on the French horn and a bachelor's degree. And I studied in Tel Aviv University and also in Salzburg, Austria at the Mozart School. What do you remember most about going to school? I mean, what were some of those lessons that you could pass on to somebody that you felt like you learned there? In both of the schools, I mean, from a music standpoint, for somebody who probably will never get to go to Mozart School or Tel Aviv, what are the big takeaways as you think of those years? Well, it's just saturate yourself and keep challenging yourself. And you've got to always do the hard parts first. Everybody that gets a piece of music does all the easy parts a hundred times. Then they got to go back and do the hard parts. And they need to spend more time on that. When they master that music, and move on. And it's just a matter of repetition and a matter of hours and hours and more hours. And it's not so great, but I always wanted to be better than anyone else ever gotten to. I've never achieved that, but I'm good enough that I am pleased as to what I've done for other people. 60 recordings and 16 music books. Hmm. To make yourself decide to do that first music book, how did that happen? I mean, because a lot of people think, oh, if I can write my first music or book, then I'll be successful. How'd that go down? I was intimidated and said, people are going to like this. I said, well, if they like what I'm doing live, maybe a piano person could then play it and maybe they'll like what they're doing. So I found out in a very unique way. I did the first book. Then I was at church one day in the hallway in a different city. I heard my music being played in the chapel, and I knew it wasn't me playing it. And I walked in the chapel, and this guy sitting there at the piano playing my arrangements. And I knew right then that I think I have a way to get these books out, and I have a way that people would like to have more of them, and they consistently have. It kind of just falls in your lap. The music business is nothing. I don't think you can go from A to Z and orchestrate a career. I don't think so. Right. I just don't. Anyway, there's a lot of joy in it, a lot of happiness from it. The money, if money is the objective, you might as well go to another profession. 
Got it. What advice would you have for that person that's maybe just deciding, you know, hey, I really would like to figure out something in music. What advice do you have for that young college kid type of person, knowing what you've gone through through the whole business? Jason, that's probably not answerable to be played on. <laughs> just like somebody said, wrote me the other day and said, and sent me a text with a piece of music on there, a picture. He said, do you think my girl played this? I said, what do you mean? How do I think they could play it? I don't have any idea what they do or where they are or whatever. They said, well, how long does it take to be able to play something like this? I don't know. If you play 10 minutes a day, it could take you three years. If you play three hours a day, it could take you two months. I don't know. You can't answer these questions. It's too tough. Right. It's not a cookie cutter answer. There's nothing there. Got it. I know a lot of people from the business side, if they are going to take a do a career with that, I guess as you look at your business, learning about business, what would you say some of your major takeaways with that has been in making a career of your music? Well, if you're in, you better be all in. You better find the people that are successful, get some hints from them, just like you're providing this to people that are going to listen. You just got to figure out what people are doing. You don't want to do exactly what they're doing, but you got to dabble in any possible avenue it is to get your name out there. If people are starting to want it and buy it, you got a big clue right then. Let's do more of it. Now, if no one ever wants to buy it or listen to it, go to law school. I know as we've talked in the past, I think just recently you were at a piano museum or something. You're playing on some Golden Steinway. Tell me about some of the, like one or two of the, your favorite performance places you've ever gotten to play a piano or coolest pianos you ever got to play on? Oddly enough, the coolest place I've ever performed, it was not on piano. And I played in the Sydney Opera House in Australia. 4,000 people in the audience. Just, oh my gosh. It's hard to give you the feeling then. Then maybe second is the Tabernacle of Temple Square. Maybe then it's the uh, Concert Hall in Tel Aviv in Jerusalem. Maybe then it's somewhere in Italy, and maybe it's there somewhere in South America. And it's all happened in the last 20 years of my career. I've been doing this for 63 years. So if we got into it, we don't have enough time now, but we could probably orchestrate or show people what it took for me to get to a certain point. But yet my path is not necessarily anyone else's. Right. I think as I look at my own career and I look at other people, Everybody thinks, oh, I'm going to get that big break. And there's maybe the one person or two people out there that seem to have gotten some big break. But the reality is, is if you actually get to know them, it's probably been a 20 or more year success cycle of them practicing and learning and meeting people and working hard. I've yet to meet anybody out there in the business that's made music a career where it's just happened really, really quickly. It's overnight is about 20 or more years in a lot of cases. So Oh, yeah. I used to tell the joke. I've been overnight success in 40 years. Yeah. Yeah. The biggest thing I can tell your audience or pianists or whoever is, is this one thing. Offer anyone wherever you're at to play for them. When you find there's a meeting or there's a banquet or there's whatever, offer to play for it free. Play for people and work your way into everything then somebody will invite you to do the next one and the next one and the next one. And you can't just stay at home, practice three or four pieces, do them better than anyone's ever played them, and no one ever hears it. Right. And I think for a lot of musicians that I know, I mean, they're very, oftentimes they're quiet and 
very private people and the whole idea of like selling or getting put themselves out on social media just makes you want to throw up. It's like, oh my gosh, that's the worst. I don't want to put a picture of myself or video, but the reality is if you do want to share and I think bring joy to other people, it's just one of those things you have to do. And as much as you may dislike and feel uncomfortable doing it, you won't be able to share your talent if you just hide it all the time. Music has the ability to bring joy to just the person playing, even as for themselves, to get a lot of joy knowing they're producing something that we're given to them. Whether they ever play for anyone else in the world, if they want to do it that way, fine. Right. As I think of a lot of people, when they're like, oh, success with music, success might actually be just being able to play a song really well at home for yourself and just enjoy it. And that's totally fine. I think just because somebody thinks you have to go out and put a record out there and have platinum record or sell millions of dollars of music, that's probably not a realistic goal for a lot of people. And nor is it. What I've found is a lot of times the money, even if it does happen, that's not what brings the joy and the fulfillment with that music. It's just the fulfillment's found when you're touching somebody or you're connecting on an emotional level with the music for either yourself or, you know, when you're sharing that moment with other people. Now, at least that's for me. I don't know. What do you think? And you've done been doing this a lot more years than I have. So, Well, the beauty of music to me is the spaces between the notes that you play. It's the pauses. Where you're given the joy is not necessarily during hearing the notes. It's where the pauses are. It's where you're able to reflect and think. You're given a presentation and you think. Play a couple notes, you pause. If you're in a hurry, you're getting in the way of what they could feel. When I heard you play and never met you, I was over the jealous kind of thing in my life as far as being in competition with any, it didn't matter at all. But I heard you and I went, whatever he's doing, is really good he's really good he's thoughtful he's just playing for people to feel things he's not trying to show off you have the ability to show off but that gets you nowhere showing off forget it who are you doing it for and then people can see that they don't want to pay for that they want to pay for what you're going to give them not what you're going to give yourself I still remember being down at the recording studio one of the times with, with Chuck Myers. He's done worked with so many amazing people over the years. He's worked with John Schmidt and the Piano Guys. You know Chuck. I've done a lot of Disney movie, you know, Star Wars 8. The guy's incredible. And it was really early on when I was down there. And I remember him. And it was a simple song. I mean, it was, just wasn't this real showy type of song, that arrangement that I was doing. And I remember going in there and I kind of apologized, like, gosh, we could make this more notes on the chords or can you jazz it up or add some more things? And he's like, he told me, he goes, one of the hardest things to do is to keep music simple. And when you can like strip out all of the extra layers and the notes, he kind of told me, he goes, look, people will fill in extra notes and lots of orchestra and other stuff on top. It's way harder to write simple music. You know, even when you're playing at the piano, I think you know, that's great. You can do this big old glissando and go up the piano and down and everybody's like, wow, that was amazing. But but realistically, do you want to listen to crazy up and down? And it's exhausting to listen to if you do it all day long. And it's cool to play once in a while. But I think you're exactly right with the spaces and the breathing. It's kind of a breathing thing with music. It's alive. And you got to find that. I the purest example of that, maybe some of your audience has never heard this name. But this is the name of a composer that epitomizes the simplicity and power of music. Look up Janice Cap Perry. 
That is a composer that's written children's music and other music. She is absolutely in tune. She's 83 or 84 years old right now. Again, if some of your audience won't know who it is, look up that music and you'll find simplicity in music at its finest. She's incredible. Definitely one of the best. She's one we should for sure get on this podcast eventually. She'd have some words of wisdom that I think would be awesome to, to share with a lot of people. A couple of my recordings, actually four or five of my recordings are her music. I told her personally, I said, I just want to thank you for giving me a platform of beauty to be able to perform for people. And then years passed. I think I'm the only pianist she's ever collaborated with a solo instrumental album in her career. Hmm. That's awesome. Very cool. Well, Marvin, do you have any, usually we'll offer some sort of gift in here if on the show notes. So is, is there anywhere that you'd like people to go check out if they want to learn a little bit more about your music? Well, I mean, MarvinGoldstein.com. MarvinGoldstein.com. I mean, in the show notes, for those that are listening, I'm going to put a link in there and I've got a free song of yours. I know we were going to share with people to go check it out. It's Marvin's music is some of the best out there. So if you're a piano player, definitely look in the show notes or go subscribe to the podcast. You'll be able to see that link in there and hopefully it's something that'll make you want to go. You said it was 16 books you've done now, Marvin? Yeah. And actually, I want to tell you, your audience says, I am the best pianist that I've ever known and the most humble. Yes. That's <laughs> one of the nicest people you'll ever meet. So, Marvin, you're awesome. Thanks so much. We'll for sure get you back on the podcast again another time. So appreciate you. Thank you. Hey, it's Jason here, and I hope you've gotten a lot of value out of this episode. Be sure to check out our show notes to learn more about our guest today. And if you'd like to support our podcast, there's a few things that you can do to help us grow. First, if you hit subscribe, it will help ensure that you don't miss a future episode. Second, if you'll share it with your friends on social media or send it via email or message, it helps us spread the word as well. And third, if you'll leave an honest review, it really helps with the algorithms so that other people can find our podcast. Finding success and fulfillment in the music industry is possible, and I look forward to seeing you on our next episode.